up world. Past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond, you're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the app and join me this week, Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific time to get in on the action. In today's episode, we're going to talk about two new coaching hires for the Portland Trail Blazers as Chauncey Billups fills out his coaching staff ahead of his first year in Portland. And then we're going to talk about a dud. (laughs) Team USA laid a stinker in their first warm-up game ahead of the Olympics. And Damien Lamont Ali Lord was involved in that one. So we'll close out the show talking a little about Team USA. Dame's first performance in a Team USA jersey and all that good stuff. It's actually mostly mostly bad stuff, but it's not that bad. But let's talk about the coaching hires. Uh, Some some news as the Blazers have hired uh, a couple couple new names. Uh, Just... Today's episode, I just kind of want to get you, you to get to know the assistant coaches. Who are who are these folks? Um, uh, I want to be clear up front before before we get sort of deep into bios and stuff. And people ask my opinions on this. I think it's really hard to know uh, what even even when you're really close to a team, as as uh, you know, in my years in the Blazers beat for four four and a half seasons, uh, it's really hard to know exactly what assistant coaches do unless you are there and asking, hey, did you scout this game? Hey, what is your responsibility here? Hey, who gives you this? Hey, who do you shoot around with? Like, it is, it is really hard to know what assistant coaches do. So uh, I don't want to sort of like presume to know what uh, Roy Rogers, one of the assistants the Blazers added to the bench, like what he'll be exactly like. Uh, you know, I can I can kind of like watch some games and kind of see if he hops up off the bench and stuff, but like, I don't want to presume to know what he'll be like. And the transition from Scott Brooks to from head coach to assistant coach, it's hard to know what he'll be like. So I Beyond like value judgments, I'll, I'll give sort of broad sweeping opinions, but I don't think from the outside or even from the relatively close, um, it, it's really hard to know what NBA assistants, maybe not what they do because that's observable, but like sort of how they do it, how they'll be as a coach, like that that type of function. You you could see it in action and get a much better sense of it once once it happens. But if you're not really close to a team, uh, how how like their roles will translate on a new staff is um is hard to judge. So sort of like overall quality of the hire, I think from my perspective, that's that's not what I'm trying to give you in this episode. What I want to give you is just like a who are these folks? What's their resume? Uh, and and you can fill in the blanks on sort of your value judgments from there. But I I don't like I will be. I'll be guessing if I make those value judgments that I don't want to guess on this podcast. I want to, I just want to give you the real and keep it moving. So first let's get the, let's get the headlines in after I've given you my, my preamble caution. Uh, and then we'll dive in a little bit deeper. The Blazers have named, according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, the Blazers are finalizing a deal to bring in Scott Brooks to be their lead assistant coach. Uh, he'll be he'll be the sort of lead assistant on Chauncey Billups' staff. And in addition, they will be bringing in uh Roy Rogers, who will be the assistant charged with, um, at, at least as it stands now, it'll it'll be he will be the sounds like he will be the defensive coordinator. I don't think that's like totally ironed out. Not every team has a guy who's just defense, but uh, Rogers reportedly had that role in L.A. And according to Wojnarowski, he'll have a similar role with the Blazers. So Brooks and Rogers, what do you need to know? Let's start with Scott Brooks. You may re- you may remember Scott Brooks. <laughs> from uh being PJ Carlos most assistant with the with the Sonics he moved over with the Sonics from uh from Seattle to Oklahoma City uh he was part of the theft I mean he wasn't part of the theft he he just he was part of the steal he got he was part of the bounty 
Brooks was named uh, interim head coach of the Thunder after Pedro Carlos Mo got fired and then eventually became uh, the the head coach of the Thunder, where where he was the head coach for seven seasons from 2008 through the 2014-15 season, uh, fired after or let go, maybe is the better language, uh, after they missed the Thunder missed the playoffs in 2015. Uh, that, te- that team was baby- the second best team in the NBA when they were fully healthy the next season, uh, missing the playoffs. Not great. But in general, Scott Brooks has, has, has been a pretty good coach. You know, he groomed that young, um, insanely talented uh, Thunder team from sort of a young, good group to, uh, to an NBA powerhouse, to an elite team. You know, uh, made the conference finals in 2011 uh, where they lost to the Mavs and then went back there again and, and uh, knocked off the Spurs to make the NBA finals in 2012. Uh, they were, they were back in the conference finals again in 2014. Like they were, they, they were consistently good. They had a ton of talent. Uh, it's a talent league. You know, if, if you listen to this podcast, you know that I believe that roster match Matters more than coaching. Uh, that's not to take away from Scott Brooks, but um, th- this was a guy coaching a really good basketball team. I think it's the best way to view his tenure in Oklahoma City. After Brooks was uh, let go by the Thunder after the, following the 2014-15 season in the summer of 2015, he took a year off from coaching and he was hired by the Washington Wizards. And he oversaw like an, a, a really strange transition. Like he was there for the OKC with with the trio of, of Westbrook, Katie, and Harden. He was there after. Uh, you know, after uh, Harden was was traded away, and 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 you know that group remained a powerhouse. You have young Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, be pretty good. Serge Ibaka also pretty good. But you know, uh, when he when Scott Brooks was in Washington, he took over uh, a team where they had been competitive, but they were they were really in flux. There's a story in the Washington Post about uh, the first meeting that uh, written by Jerry Brewer. If you want to check it out, it's where Scott Brooks's first meeting with with uh, the John Wall, and after he gets the job, it's like literally in the hospital, post-surgery John Wall. Uh, th- that first year was like a pretty good year, but but Brooks, the the whole, the Washington Post kind of um, lays it out. It's like there was there were six players under contract for the Wizards that year. So Brooks was like, uh, you know, he flew to flew to L.A. to meet with Bradley Beal. He went to Orlando to meet Marcin Gortat. He met with Kelly Oubre and met with Otto Porter Jr. And he, after the the long meeting with John Wall, and it's like I don't think it's uncommon for new coaches to do that, but it's pretty uncommon to have like six names six names to to go visit. Uh, usually it's a, a fifteen man team, and 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 Brooks Brooks was you know nine short of a full roster when he took over. But his first year in Washington was his most successful. Uh, you know, they, they won the division. They went down 49 and 33, nearly a 50, 50 game winner. And, and they won a first round playoff series. Uh, they did not win a playoff series after that. They won three in, in his next four years. They won three total playoff games, including, including missing the playoffs twice. Um, when they were really bad and, and John Wall was hurt and they were sort of making that next transition and, and all these things like quite literally moving on from John Wall and trading him for Westbrook. And last year with the, with Westbrook and tow, the Wizards, Went 34 and 38 and ended up making the playoffs, uh, but they were really, really, really bad at the beginning of the year. Uh, they were just horrific. They're 25th on defense prior to the trade deadline. They traded for uh, Daniel Gafford, and and Daniel Gafford, an athletic young center, just transformed what that team could be, and they finished after the trade deadline. They were sixth in defense. Like, uh, personnel matters. <laughs> I'm a little, I'm kind of a broken record with that, but I do think it's easier to coach. It's easier to coach good players. I want to be clear on that. Um, having a real, having the right type of players in the roster is going to be really valuable to uh, make a coach, make a coach look good. Not that coaching doesn't matter, but um, the biggest factor is is who who you're able to put into the game. 
So that's that is the 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 Brooks resume. Uh, you know, he's he's a guy who played in the league for a long time. He went he went undrafted and and uh, you know got his way out of the CBA and into the NBA. And he played for, he had a, you know, he had a decade long career in the league from 1988 to the, uh, to 1998 as, as, you know, a, a tough 5'11 point guard. Uh, Brooks is a, a, you know, a career NBA guy and a grinder. And now he's, he's going to be uh, the lead assistant uh, be on Chauncey Billups' staff. Uh, in the second segment, I want to share kind of uh, first Roy, Wad- Roy Rogers' bio and then my thought- thoughts on these two hires. Uh, while I don't think we'll like we can totally know and that value judgments don't matter, I'll, I can I feel comfortable sort of sharing my perception of where of where the Blazers are after we've had two assistant coaches named in this process. So that's what we'll do in the second segment. But first, let's talk about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. That's what it is. That's what they're doing. Uh, I've talked about. Uh, built bars for a long time and nothing has changed it's still the best tasting protein bar i've ever had and the best one you're gonna find they come in a ton of great flavors like cherry barcia and mint brownie strawberry cookies and cream and german chocolate but they're not only the best tasting protein bars you're gonna find they're they're good for you too they pack a lot of punch peep the macros 17 or 18 grams of protein from 130 to 180 calories, no more than five grams of sugar and no more than five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. What more could you want? Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off right now at BuiltBar.com. All right, so we talked Scott Brooks. Dude has been in the league a long time and has coached somewhere between really, really excellent teams and also like a 25-win Wizards team. But a veteran coach, someone who's who's been around the block, and I think there's real value to that, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But it's not the only coach the Blazers hired. The Blazers have also hired uh, former Los Angeles Clippers assistant uh, who was on Ty Lue's staff with Chauncey Billups, Roy Rogers. And according to Adrian Wojnarowski, Roy Rogers was in charge of the Clippers' defense, and he has been tasked with... Uh, do having the a, the same or similar role on on Billups' staff, he'll be the guy who's in charge of the defense. It might not stay like that. Um, these things change, and and teams sort of, especially a new coach, can figure out what works for him. But I think that's the plan going in. Not every team has had a defensive coordinator. Um, you know, in in Stotts's tenure, he didn't always have a defensive coordinator. Sometimes it was collective. Hey, how can we figure it out? In fact, when they were really good, uh, they didn't have maybe like a lead when they were as good as they were defensively, like that their peak with, under the, on Stotts' staff. They didn't have like a a chief defensive guy necessarily is more of a collective effort and it kind of grew into okay let's have more defined roles as we get there and uh so th- there's a lot of ways to attack it but it sounds like Roy Rogers will be that defensive coordinator type so who is Roy Rogers you might ask he's a former first round pick in the NBA was a 22nd overall pick in the 1996 NBA draft by the Vancouver Grizzlies and he played parts of three seasons with Vancouver Boston Toronto and Denver and then he was out of the league from by the year 2000. He briefly played pro ball in Italy and in the late 90s came back to the league in the year 2000, had had a brief stint with Denver for Denver for about half the season and then he transitioned shortly thereafter into coaching. He started as an assistant coach in the G League with the Tulsa 76ers or 66ers and the Austin Toros and then was a head coach of 
a team that is now known as the Canton Charge in the Cleveland Cavaliers organization, but was at the time the Huntsville Flight. Uh, from there, he slowly worked up onto NBA benches. Uh, he was he was a scout and a coach for the Nets, and then uh, was hired as an assistant coach for the Nets in 2008, worked for the Celtics, came back and joined Jason Kidd's staff with the Nets, uh, Spent a year there, spent a year in Washington, and then he and then he caught on with those really good Rockets teams. He was he was named assistant coach of the Rockets teams uh, in, two, in 2016. He was there for that for the height of that run of those really good Rockets teams that were arguably the second best team in the NBA and kept running up against it in Golden State. And finally, when that run ended, Roy Rogers was let go, signed on with the Bulls, lasted a year, but then they fired Jim Boylan. And uh, when Billy Donovan came in, he did you know new coaches tend tend to bring in their own their whole new staff as we're seeing here in Portland Rodgers was let go uh, and he signed on with the Clippers on under Ty Lue and spent the, and spent the last season as the Clippers defensive coordinator for lack of a better term the the overseeing the Clippers defense is maybe the best way to say it for the Clippers the Clippers are a pretty good defensive team uh despite having not having Kawhi Leonard and Paul George play a ton and ton of games together, the Clippers finished eighth in the league in defense last year in the regular season. Uh, this is a lot of this. I think you can explain away with personnel. Paul George, really good defensive player. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, really good defensive player. You've got other options like Patrick Beverly, Serge Ibaka when he was healthy. Zubac is, is at least big and adds some size. Uh, you know, they've got Nichols Batum and Marks Morris on the wings. Like they, they can, this is a group with good defensive personnel. So I'm not going to say like, look what Roy Rogers molded. Uh, but, but the results speak for themselves. He coached a good defensive team uh, on a, on a, on a staff with uh, under a first year head coach and, and, or a, First, uh, first, a new head coach to that program. Ty, Ty Lue had some bona fides when he showed up in, uh, showed up in LA to be sure. But you know, he's, he, this team, you know, relatively new coaching staff, Roy Rogers got them to be a really good defensive team helps. They had really good defensive players. Not going to sort of read into the, this is where I'm sort of hedging against the value judgment. Certainly capable of being a good of of coaching good defense. There's there is evidence of it right there. Even those Rockets teams that he was a part of, where the he was not the Rockets defensive coordinator like in name. That was Jeff Bedslick, but uh, certainly he's on the coaching staff of a team that probably played better defense and more creative defense. Like that was better than the sum of its parts defensively. Uh, I think you can sort of go back through and say there's a reason why this guy's in charge of NBA defenses because he's been on some teams that have overachieved there in, in recent years, a super modern switching defense. And with, uh, with the Rockets where they just played small and absolutely switched everything uh, and kind of ushered in other teams saying, maybe that's something we can do a huge percentage of the time as opposed to, you know, 40% of the time while wow, the Rockets do it literally every time down the floor um, and get us all into playground ball. Maybe we should, you know, maybe we can bend that way too. Uh, you know, and, and a Clippers team that played a bunch of different defenses. They would, uh, they could trap, they could play zone, they could switch everything, they could go big and play drop with Zubac and Cousins. Like, uh, there's not one style that you can say, this is what Roy Rogers is going to do. I think, um, I, and quite frankly, that's that's what you want to see. Like a, a coach who's been successful with multiple multiple different looks. Again, I don't want to subscribe a bunch of value to uh, Rogers coached this team, they did this, the Blazers will do this. But I think the res- this is the resume and, and, and the results of those teams is part of the resume for sure. So I think what you're wondering here, after you've been so patient and listened to the listen to these bios, I you know I think who who are these coaches matter this time of year? Who do they hire? Right? Is you're saying is this good, Mike? Do they do a good job? And I want to be consistent in my analysis here. Yeah, 
Yes, I think they did. And here's why I'm, I'm, I'm talking about my own consistency. When in, in mailbag episodes and a couple times on the, the green room chats, people would say, you know, who do you think they should hire? And, and I was, I gave a, a sort of a canned consistent answer is that I thought the, the Chauncey Billups would benefit from bringing in an, ex, an experienced coach to his staff. And I even said in one of the episodes, and you can go play back the tape, it doesn't really matter if they've had like a lot of success in the league. It's like, it's more about have they seen stuff because what, what you're banking on is that Billups is the one who's good at this, but there's some sort of institutional knowledge and some, um, and some guidance from guys with experience that, that Billups can benefit from bouncing off, bouncing ideas off of and, and, and approaches like, um, you know, you'd think that Billups has a good understanding of maybe how to connect to guys. Cause as being a former player relatively recently, uh, obviously he was on a bench last year, but there's just some, there's a different step from assistant coach who can and do one thing versus the sort of CEO role that head coach plays in this. Um, and, and having an experienced guy on the bench was going to matter. And I, and I, I think there is a big difference between an assistant coach and, and a head coach. Um, so I'd like Scott Brooks's my perception of Scott Brooks for most of his career was that he was not a very good coach. Not that he was terrible, just that he was just like, he's kind of whatever. He's a guy who's there. He clearly is capable of like coaching an okay team, but I never thought he was like this X's and O's genius. Um, I, you know, maybe he, he, you maybe give him credit for sort of like the good vibes of the OKC teams until they were really bad vibes after he was fired and, and things broke down. But like, um, you know, it's hard for me to, to me, that seems like sort of like an OKC, uh, cultural thing created by their very collegiate atmosphere than, than Brooks, but certainly he had his hand in it. Right. But my perception is, is that even if he is sort of like a, a good, good communicator and all these things is like, I didn't think of him as like this elite coach. So, but I don't, but he's not being tasked with running this team and making all these decisions and like figuring, figuring out when Daniel Gafford goes back in the game or all these type of things that maybe if you're watching the wizards late in the year, you're, you're, you're screaming at your TV, but like, I think it's a good hire because it's someone with, uh, he's, he's had success. He's had success with high profile stars. Um, and, and he's just, even if he hasn't had a lot of on-court success, he knows what it's like to manage big ass personalities in the league. And I think that can help. Um, not that like, I think Dame is going to be super inflammatory, but there is, there is a, there is an ego management side to NBA coaching. And I think having a guy who's, who's experienced with that, can only help Billups. So I, I like the Brook. I like the Brooks hiring. If not, if, if nothing else, then for that, uh, I know the other names that were in the the list of any Del Negro. That was never a good idea to me. Uh, he's been he's been out of coaching for like a decade. Uh, it never made sense. Uh, he's been in, he's been in NBA media though. He's got a radio show on Sirius. If you want to check him out, uh, but. Uh, and, and Lionel Hollins, I know that was an exciting one because of his, his former Blazers connection. Uh, Brooks been a head coach more recently. To me, that's, there's sort of more value in that recent experience coach, you know, not that Hollins like being an assistant coach on the Lakers or whatever, like is not valuable experience. It's just a different role. And I think what Chauncey needs more than anything else is someone who's sat in the big chair and can say, he can say, you know, Hey Scott, what do you think about this? Uh, So I, I think it's fine. Uh, it's, I don't, I don't, I'm not, you know, there's no, parade for Scott Brooks, but I don't, but I, the criticisms of what I think of him as a coach, I think matter less in the assistant role, because I think what his role is, is, uh, provide some perspective of, of with his years of experience. And he certainly has that, uh, from his time in the league. Like he's, he's been coaching in the league for over a decade, you know, head coach in the league for over a decade. He's got, he's got the resume you want. And on the Roger stuff, I kind of already touched on it. Like he's, he's, I think it's fine. Obviously, his relationship with Chauncey from previously working together with the Clippers, I think, is is valuable because they're on the same page already. Worked together, know what they want. If if Chauncey worked with him in in, in 
Los Angeles and then brought him here in Portland. You can you can assume they have a really good relationship uh, and they'd want to, want to work together. Uh, Rogers has worked on some some impressive defensive teams and some um, and and teams that have played a bunch of different ways. So it's not like you're getting one style necessarily. Although the Blazers may lock into one style and try to figure it out from there. So uh, I like it. I like. I guess I like in general. I, I I think I like both both hires as as ideas. Um, like I said, I just don't know. Uh, we'll see. Uh, this is it's it's hard to judge sort of what what assistants do, but in general, I think this is uh, the direction you want to go. I also think it's nice to have um, some sort of division of labor in in coaching staffs. Like I think it's a good idea to have a defensive coordinator because then you you can stay on message about what we want to do scheme wise, and if there's questions and if there's problems, you go to Roy, right? Like you'll go to Roy, and Roy will figure it out. And I think that's um, to me that's uh, the Blazers have at least pass the smell test on the first two hires. These, these, are, these look fine. We'll figure, we'll, fi- you know, we'll figure out if the coaching staff is good when the games get played. Like I said, it's, it's from some sort of this perspective. It's hard to kind of, if you're not a true insider, hard, hard to figure out how guys work together and how, how it's going to happen. Um, and like true insider, I mean like on the team and in the coaches meeting type of thing. Uh, so it's um, from here and from what we know, from what I've researched about these and what I've explained to you here, I think these are, these pass the smell test. They're fine and we'll uh when when the games start up in october we'll have a better sense of what the what this staff strengths are and hopefully by then i'll have spent more time around the team and can and can provide you a little more insight there all right in the third segment we got to talk about team usa damian lord old number six on team usa he lost, he lost his first game in the red white and blue whoops let's talk about that one to uh to close out the show but first let's talk about bet online it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action Anything you want. They got the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sports betting needs. Major League Baseball, the NBA, the WNBA, soccer, here and abroad. If you're a footy fan, all types of action there. UFC and MMA as well. So before the next pitch or before the next tip-off, get on over to betonline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. The promo code is LOCKEDON. And when you're making your first deposit, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Locked on Blazers. We talked about the Blazers' new coaching hires, adding Scott Brooks and Roy Rogers to the coaching staff. Now I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about Team USA. Damian Lillard made his Olympic team debut in an exhibition tune-up against Nigeria. And whoops, whoops, Team USA lost. Um... It's a gold medal standard there for the for the Americans. We expect them to win every game and then win the gold medal. Uh, it hasn't always been like that in recent years, but just peeking at this roster, even if they're missing the 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 biggest and brightest or some of the biggest and brightest names, you got a team with Jason Tatum and Kevin Durant and Damon Lord, Brad Beal. You should be pretty good, probably better than a team with Mia Yoni, um, probably better than a team with Gabe Vincent. But the but. But they weren't. Team USA wasn't, and they lost. Um, we'll talk about Dame's performance in a second. Team USA lost this game because Nigeria took 48 threes and made half of them. 
It's a pretty good plan. Like they played modern basketball under head coach Mike Brown. Uh, in general, I thought this was a stinker from Dame. Uh, I thought this was. I thought Team USA played poorly and he played poorly. Uh, he wasn't super aggressive, which I think is not that big of a surprise because he's still trying to figure out how he fits with these with this team. You know, Nigeria has been. Um, you know, they have eight NBA players on the roster, but none of these guys who are sort of like who've been super deep into the playoffs and and or had other things like they've they've the the members of the Miami Heat like Casey Paul and Persis Chua and Gabe Vincent they've been uh, they've been done for a while and able to like show up and play uh, Chimezi Metu has been able to show up and play Mieoni the Jazz made the second round of the playoffs but he's you know he's had some time um, the NBA the USA team didn't get together like they didn't take advantage of that time because of the way USA basketball works and stuff so I'm not like excusing him but like this Nigeria team has NBA talent and will had some practice time in. So it's not surprising that they gave the U.S. a game. It's pretty surprising that the the USA team laid a dud. But like some of the problems with Team USA, in my opinion, was like guys just didn't know what they were exactly what they were going to do. And I thought Dames specifically, he just didn't look super aggressive. He looked like he was trying to, particularly early in the game. I did not watch this live. Uh, I had to I had to go back and watch it. But uh, so I had already like I knew what had happened when I was watching the game. But uh, I hadn't seen anything except the final possession uh, on on my social media feeds prior to watching the game. Uh, and uh, I, I just thought Dame was not passive, but he just wasn't super aggressive, particularly like, okay, it's a close game with six minutes left. Like Damian Lord in a blazer uniform shoots like way too much in those final six minutes. But even, you know, Team U- Team USA Dame, he was still kind of, he was playing the right way, um, even if it was the wrong way, if you know what I mean. Like he was, he was like staying within the team concept, um, even if maybe just breaking it off and, and uh, cranking a few from 35 might have been the plan. Uh, you know, he wasn't terrible. Like his, his box score numbers, I think are kind of meaningless. He goes four for 10, three of six from three, shot poorly from two, uh, you know, didn't turn the ball over, ended up with uh, 14.5 rebounds and four assists with a block and a steal in, 20, in 28 minutes. Uh, but he, I, I didn't think he looked good, um, and he didn't look good particularly on defense. Uh, he just, people were driving past him. Uh, the, 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 I was going to call him the Warriors. Mike Brown, assistant coach of the Warriors, but uh, Nigeria just, they ran a lot of dribble handoffs on the perimeter. So a lot of screen stuff, a lot of just, a lot of big man step up screen handoff to a shooter, uh, let guys like Gabe Vincent make a decision. Um, with, you know, with the slight advantage off the handoff, I thought Dame looked bad on defense, uh, both navigating screens and also if he'd get, get, uh, if the screen got rejected or if he would read the DHO right, like just keeping guys in front of him. I thought he looked bad on defense. Uh, I thought I thought Team USA in general looked bad on defense, so it isn't all just Dame, but I thought, like, if you're just, like, sort of judging this uh, Dame and Lord outing, this was, um, you know, does does Dame being pretty bad on defense and losing to a team with about, NBA, about eight NBA players sound familiar? <laughs> does it sound a little bit like the Nuggets series, y'all? Uh, mild flashbacks to that, except no Nikola Jokic. But uh, this this is I, I my level of panic is probably in the negatives. Like I'm not even I'm not even registering in the positive. Like on a scale of one to ten, I'm like a negative four. Like I just don't think this matters at all. Uh, I think while I was talking about the practice stuff, is I think like Team USA just they need more a couple more minutes together. Um, they weren't they didn't have the juice needed to sort of um, to hold off a team that was uh, more physical and and had a better plan than them or at least like a concise plan they could follow. I thought Mike Brown had that had that team rolling and they knew what they wanted to do and they went ahead and did it. Uh, and and Team USA is like you know that's a talent they're they're going to win on their talent right. They're going to figure it out and the talent is going to win out because they're not going to have some sort of 
deep strategy, deep, uh, like super physical and high intensity training camp to get right. Like they're going to play themselves to get there and they're going to win the gold medal. I still think that that's the case. I'm not worried about Dame's performance. I'm not worried about his role. I'm not, I'm not any more worried about his defense was than when I started. Like, I don't think he's a very good defensive player. I think he's capable of being a little bit better defensive player. And he wasn't very good against Nigeria. Um, I, I think Dame at his peak would even be like an overall below average defensive player. But what are you going to do? He's a really good offensive player. If he could get consistently to just below average, he'll be one of the five best players in the league, probably. Uh, he's that good on the other end. And I'm not worried about, I think he'll figure out like, yo, I'm going to shoot sometimes. I'm going to break it off and just shoot. I'm not going to look for Brad. I'm not going to look uh for KD I'm not, you know it's like I'm this is mine I'm going to go do it uh so I, I'm not worried about it uh it's it's notable because like I thought we were going to be talking about hey Damian Lillard looked awesome and he he made all these three pointers and boy does he look good taking handoffs from Draymond Green what if what if the tampering really works like I was going to make a bunch of jokes but instead they just look kind of bad um they no worries. I think it's a gold medal team. Um, I, they've got some real problems. I think they're going to have trouble being a re- good rebounding team and teams with size are going to punish Team USA a bunch. Don't really understand what Kevin Love's doing there. But in general, Town's going to win out, um, I think. And if it's wrong, it's about it's about a 28-minute mark on this podcast. You can go find it and play it back to me when I'm wrong about this one. So Damon Lord first, you know, Team USA debut, not not sterling, not impressive, um, not something to write home about, not something to rewatch again. Probably going to go ahead and delete that bad boy off the DVR. Won't need to revisit this one. But our first sort of look at it in an exhibition game that didn't matter, that has no impact on the on really anything other than uh, it was exciting game uh, for particularly Nigerian basketball, uh, a big moment for them to be sure. Uh, but it, it means nothing. And I take, I really take very, very little away from it. That is going to do it for today's show. Uh, tomorrow, Monday evening, this is, um, I'm recording this on a Sunday evening, but Monday evening, I record Mailbag Mondays, our weekly mailbag show, answering listener submitted questions all episode long. If you want to get involved in Mailbag Monday, Tweet at me at Mike G. Rich or send me an email lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. Those are the two ways to do it. Love mailbag. Hope you do too. So uh, shoot me a note, either one of those spots. If you've got a Blazers related question, we got more shows coming this week. So go ahead and check back and tell your friends to subscribe wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked On Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Off season is here, but Locked On Blazers isn't going anywhere. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.